the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program was pre-recorded, and the views expressed do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. We don't need no education. We don't need no control. Get ready to take notes, because school is now in session. Tackling the biggest issues in education, this is Education America. Save the classroom, save the country. Here are your hosts, Headmaster Rebecca Hagstrom and co-host Abigail Johnson. Welcome to Education America, where we are working to save the classroom so that we can save the country. K-12 education is the playing field where the battle is on for the future of our country. And as the 16th president, Abraham Lincoln, succinctly stated, the philosophy of the schoolroom in one generation will be the philosophy of government in the next. Well, it's wonderful to be together again, Abigail. It is. It is wonderful. And we have an excellent guest with us in studio today. Um, our listeners will be familiar with him. We are mm-hmm. so lucky to have Daniel Sir back with us in the show in the in the studio on the show. Uh, Daniel is a senior legal fellow at the National Opportunity Project, and that is a national nonprofit government watchdog organization. It is committed to protecting Americans' rights and holding the government accountable at all levels. Which, <clears throat> boy, we could use yeah, we could use a little bit more we'll of that. Use a little <laughs> bit more of that right now. So we mm-hmm. are so thankful for the work that he is doing. Um, really, a lot of the legal work that focuses in on the education field. And we are going to be talking with him today, um, talking a lot about teachers' unions. Mm -hmm. So, Daniel, thanks so much for joining us today. Great to be back on the show, ladies. All right. Well, I think when we last spoke with you at the very end of the show, we decided we have to spend more time talking with you Mm -hmm. about the impact that teachers' unions are having on children's education, sadly for the negative, not for the positive. And so really, that's going to be the focus of our conversation today. And right before the show started, you just let us know that you just pulled a headline off of the Internet. Do you want to share that with us and our listeners? And that can be maybe a launching point for this conversation. Yeah, absolutely. So this is the Associated Press Bulletin. Uh, It's from last night, November 1st at 7 p.m. And it says, teachers in Portland, Oregon, have walked up on walked off the job for the first day of a strike that has shuttered schools for some 45,000 students Mm. in Oregon's largest city. Of course. And it always seems to be the large districts. You know, Chicago, you hear about this happening a lot. Mm -hmm. Abigail, you said L.A., it happens a lot. And, you know, let's let's talk about why this is so damaging. You know, people think of teachers' unions and they say they're there for, you know, the children, but ultimately, um, how damaging is it when children cannot go to class? I mean, talk about some of the ramifications of that. 
Yeah, it's incredibly damaging. It's it's hard on the children. It's hard on the community, mm-hmm. right? It really affects everybody in the community. That's why they do it, right? Yeah. Strikes are a yeah. tool to have leverage and political power. Mm-hmm. And so it's not about the kids. The kids are collateral damage. Mm-hmm. It's about damaging the parents. It's about damaging employers, right? Mm-hmm. Because when, when a school district goes on strike, when a union goes on strike and shuts down a school district, Kids have to stay home, right? It's it's like a snow day that doesn't end. <laughs> it just keeps going and going and going. And so for students, it results in learning loss, right? It interrupts their their flow. They've got exam schedule. They've got quizzes and tests they're doing. Mm-hmm. They're working, you know, right now toward their um, Christmas concert and choir, whatever, mm-hmm. right? They've got all these activities that they're planning on. And then all of a sudden... You know, schools shut down, not because there's one snow day, but we're going to have three, four, five days of no school. Mm-hmm. And so those children experience this learning loss. They experience the social emotional disruption. But then the entire community experiences that disruption as all of those parents yep. have to call in sick to work mm-hmm. or call grandpa and grandma and see who can juggle the kid, get a neighbor to step up. Right. Yeah. And so it creates chaos across the community, which is the goal, hmm. right? The goal is to do that. So parents and community members and employers call the school board and get them to cave to the union. They, oh. they know they're creating chaos. That's the point. You know, it's, it's so hard to hear that when you think about, especially after our COVID shutdowns that really rolled through a lot of those big public school districts for two years after mm-hmm. COVID hit. Um, it seemed that it was those big districts that were the last to reopen. And um, so I can't imagine the learning loss that is occurring when they're already behind. You know, let's say, for instance, here in the state of Minnesota, we used to have an average ACT score in Minnesota of around 21, a little over 21. Sometimes I think it was as high as 21.5. Um, after COVID, it was 19.8. And then last year, it was just 19.5. So think of that. That's And that's just the high school kids who presumably already had learned how to read, you know, we yeah. hope, um, had already learned how to do math. But think of these little kids who are who maybe are in now third grade and they were online for COVID in kindergarten. Mm -hmm. They might've struggled to really learn how to read. Yep. And then first grade. And now they are finally back in session as of last year. And here we are shutting down again. Mm -hmm. Um, Uh, It's heartbreaking. It is heartbreaking. And, and if that's the point, you know, what do you have ideas on how can the unions negotiate without harming the kids and the community? Is there, do you have alternatives in your mind as to how we can come alongside these kids to prevent this from happening? Well, the, the simple answer is that teacher strikes should be illegal. I agree. Uh, and they are mm-hmm. in, in actually in most states, mm-hmm. in most states across the country, mm. uh, teacher strikes are illegal. I don't think I do that. Just like, hmm. Police department strikes are illegal, just like fire department strikes are illegal. When you choose to take a essential worker job uh, that's that's 
employed by the taxpayers, you get certain benefits that come with that, right? Your employer is not going to go out of business, no matter how bad the economy gets. Mm -hmm. Your employer has, you know, protections that come with being part of the government. You have civil service protections that come with being an employee of the government. So you get a whole bunch of benefits by choosing government service. But one of the corollaries to that is also the recognition that you can't use all of the same labor tools Mm -hmm. that people in other settings can use because you're essential to the entire community. And so in most states, teacher strikes are illegal. Um, And even in states where teacher strikes are legal, uh, there are usually uh, a certain set of safeguards that you have to go through, you know, a certain number of days of mediation, a certain uh, you know, process with an arbitrator board mm-hmm. before you can actually go on strike. And all of that is designed to safeguard these kids. Mm-hmm. The problem we saw coming out of COVID is that in multiple uh, cities and states, unions just ignored the law. Yeah. They just broke the law. Unbelievable. I mean, coming out of COVID, mm-hmm. uh, a number of teachers unions said, uh, we will not return to work we won't go back into the physical classroom building unless you meet certain expectations we're going to impose about, for instance, mm-hmm. you know, air circulation, mm-hmm. which really just meant we want air conditioning in our school building, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, like, they just said we won't go back. And so we had, you know, Idaho, Virginia, Arizona, Chicago, Washington, D.C., illegal teacher strikes where the, the unions either – were prohibited from going on strike or were required to go through a process and they just didn't do it. And mm-hmm. the end result is that these kids who had already been suffering for two plus years saw their return to school pushed out further. Yeah. And they didn't even get online learning during those weeks, right? The kids in Portland right now, they're not even getting online learning. Oh There's my just goodness. Nothing. Nothing. You know what? That That is just appalling. And that does seem illegal. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, it is written into, I believe, okay, maybe I'm, I'm overstating. Isn't it? Isn't it um, part of like, is it PL 94 that you must, public law 94, that you must provide an education, an age appropriate or appropriate education for a child? Um, do you know anything about that public law? I know it applies a lot to um, learning specialists type children, um, but doesn't it apply to all children? There are a number of of reasons that teacher strikes are illegal. So we have um, just a general, often state constitution Mm -hmm. uh, guarantee, right, that your your state government and your local school board is obligated to provide uh, education. We've got Mm -hmm. statutes like the one you mentioned. Frankly, the ones that are most heartbreaking are the kids with special needs. Yes. Right. Yeah. You have federal legal rights under the Individuals with Disabilities and Education Act and the Rehabilitation mm-hmm. Act to services. I mean, it's one thing for a lot of families if you, if your kid can't go to school for a day or two or three, right, a snow day that just keeps going. Mm-hmm. But for families with kids with significant physical and emotional and mental challenges, And that is a huge burden Mm -hmm. that just comes out of left field when these schools shut down. And, um, yeah, there are there are federal laws that guarantee those families an adequate education and they're not getting it if school is closed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I do find it just interesting that um, 
more and more what we see in our country is just kind of a very kind of um, nonchalant attitude towards the law as it relates to things that certain groups of individuals feel are not fair, quote unquote. So, you know, our immigration laws, our sanctuary cities, I mean, all they're doing is ignoring actual laws that are on the books and they're they're being allowed to do it. And so here's another example of a group of individuals shrugging the law and saying, well, we're going to do it anyway, you know, stop us. And um, it requires so much effort and money to actually sue a district and who's mm-hmm. going to do that. And I think that that's prob- probably what these union leaders, and especially Randy Weingarten, who was so vocal in not reopening schools after COVID. She even made the Biden administration backtrack their their thoughts about the fact that schools should be able to reopen now. And then they, they walked that back after she, you know, started crying uh, that, no, 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 we cannot be opening these schools. Well, and I'd like to, you know, what does that model for our kids? Right. I mean, you know, just high level, 50,000 foot view. What does that model for kids about the importance of education when, mm-hmm. again, you know, these are kids that they have been out of school for bare minimum yes. a year in these mm-hmm. more liberal states, um, hybrid um, education as well. And now they're in and out with like, I like how you highlighted, Daniel, the, the uncertainty aspect, how mm-hmm. hard that really is for families, um, you know, especially families with special needs. Sometimes that uncertainty aspect can really be an additional burden for them. Mm-hmm. Um, but what is that model for our children with, you know, we're telling them that this is important, but the adults oh. in the room are saying, yeah, not really. Mm-hmm. And it drives yeah, me crazy. Not mm-hmm. only it should drive you crazy mm-hmm. and not only what it says about education, but what it also says about following the rule. Right. When yes, teachers go on an illegal strike. Yeah. Yeah. We're asking children in the classroom every day, you need to follow these rules. (laughs) And yet when we as a society adopt rules, and then the teachers just disobey them, Mm -hmm. like, what is that teaching our kids? What kind of of example is that setting? Yeah. And we do need to grapple with that. I mean, looking at over and over and over. And I mean, I, Daniel, I don't know how, what ages your kids are, but my kids are still at the age where, you know, we're doing a lot of teaching. Um, and but, and yet yeah. what I'm always reminding myself is really they're going to watch more by watching me from, you know, my husband, their father, their teachers, the adults that we allow. They're going to learn more from those adults that we allow into their life than all of the words that we say. So what are these kids learning? Mm-hmm. So I'm also glad you mentioned the sort of larger agenda that these issues fit into, the larger political forces that these issues fit into. Mm-hmm. You know, usually when we think about a teacher strike, like most labor strikes, it's about, you know, working conditions, salaries, insurance, like the basics of wages, benefits, and, and conditions. There was a strike earlier this year in Oakland, California, which is, again, another major city in a big state. And beyond asking for higher salaries – their demands on the school board were support for reparations for <laughs> African Americans and additional investments in resources for students who were homeless. Through the teacher strike 
unbelievable. So they're completely bypassing the state legislature and trying to manipulate through a back door and at at the cost of these children's education. Unbelievable things that really are unrelated to education. Unrelated. Yep. Yep. A lot of uh, unions, too, will use their collective bargaining agreement to freeze charter school activity. Wow. say, yeah. I have not uh, heard this. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, Chicago Teachers Union has in their collective bargaining contract that even though the state legislature has authorized the Chicago School Board to issue charters, to authorize charter schools, the collective bargaining agreement with the union prohibits them from doing so. The irony is the Chicago Teachers Union has one uh, bargaining unit for public school employees and a separate bargaining unit for charter school employees. They actually actually represent the teachers in the charter schools in Chicago at the same time that they are that they are getting charter school expansion frozen <laughs> by the Chicago school board. Only only in Chicago, right? Yes. Only in Chicago. That is, that is how we play hardball politics. Right. Right. But, but it's, it it illustrates this problem. Like they've just gotten totally out of control, and they're really just tools of an ideological agenda that has little, if anything, to do with what's best for students. Mm -hmm. And, you know, on that note, one of the things that you noted in the notes for our show today is that um, the American Federation of Teachers gave in excess of $26 to Democratic candidates and causes in the 2022 election cycle. And this is something that's actually been looked at here in the state of Minnesota through an organization called the Center of the American Experiment. And um, the, when they look at the, the – there is no balance – but mm-hmm. what they look at is, you know, how much money do they give to Democratic candidates versus Republican candidates – and it, it is like 99.9% Democrat. I'm, 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 don't quote me on these numbers, but it's, it's extraordinarily high. And then just a tiny little, you know, bit to, um, a Republican candidate here and there. And, and so to your point, there is so much political ideology then that is going into their demands, just like you pointed out happened in Chicago. Because these unions are giving so much to Democratic candidates, and then they then support the unions, and it's just kind of this symbiotic relationship. Oh, that it's, it's the circle of life. Yes, the circle of life. Oh, isn't that nice? Lion King analogies. <laughs> I can tell you have young children. No, yes, I know it's very true. No, 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 no. But it's true. I mean, they are. They are. It, they are um, supporting. It, it is. It is a symbiotic relationship. And and then who are are the ones that are losing, which you have brought out several several times, it's the kids. And really, the, the teachers, too, because not all the teachers want to be striking. Yes, absolutely. You know, and um, they're, they're, I think, oftentimes forced. And, and that actually does bring me to another topic that I wanted to bring up with you for our listeners, and that is um, the Janus case. Uh, maybe for our listeners' sake, share what the Janus case brought about and and when and then what what does that mean for teachers because as you pointed out there's a lot of states where they passed new laws to try to prevent people taking advantage of the Janus rights so talk a little bit about that for us yeah it's a huge landmark moment in recent U.S. Supreme Court decisions uh, that five years ago in 2018 
the Supreme Court issued a decision called Janus versus Ask Me. Ask Me is a, a huge union for public employees, uh, saying that the First Amendment prohibits the government from forcing public employees to subsidize unions. Mm-hmm. That it had been the law in the United States for decades that even if you didn't want to join the union, the union could nevertheless charge you a mandatory fee and you would lose your job if you didn't pay it. Yeah, it's and appalling. And so unions were just, it's appalling. Mm-hmm. The unions were just getting tens, hundreds of millions of dollars a year in cash from people who didn't want to give it to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's just so antithetical to everything we, we believe as Americans under the First Amendment, uh, where, you know, we have the freedom of speech, and the freedom of speech includes the freedom not to speak, mm-hmm. right? Our right to associate with one another includes also our right not to associate mm-hmm. with organizations that don't share our values. Uh, and yet that's what was happening and so on the one hand, Janice is a tremendous moment because it, it finally freed uh, hundreds of thousands of public employees from these mandatory union fees. The challenge going forward, though, is that a lot of public employees don't know about their rights. Mm-hmm. And the unions and the school boards and the public employers aren't telling them. <laughs> of course about not. Their <laughs> Why would they want to do that, right? Right. So you're at new employee orientation. You're you're a baby brand new teacher. You're at new employee orientation. And either because of your collective bargaining contract or state law, the union has a right to show up and make a presentation at your new employee orientation. And so just imagine you're a baby new teacher. Your HR director for your school district gets up and says, okay, and now... You know, Tim from the National Education Association is going to give up and he's going to give a presentation about your union membership. So, Tim, here's the floor is yours. (laughs) And then Tim gets gets up, gives his little spiel and then hands out membership forms for everybody. Mm. Well, you're just going to sign it. right? You just signed your employee handbook. You just signed the vacation policy. You just got a form for health insurance. You just signed the the NEA membership form because you have no idea that the First Amendment actually gives you a choice. And so we have to educate teachers. We have to educate public employees that they do have a choice, that this is not required. Uh, and in fact, the First Amendment protects their right to join or not join the teachers union. Mm-hmm. So what do you think is the best approach for trying to educate these teachers? Um, you know, you would think, does there need to be another provision added to the Janus decision? I don't, I don't, I don't know legal ways of doing things, but is there a way for the Supreme Court to further delineate their decision? Because clearly that does not fulfill the essence of the decision. It fulfills the letter of the law, but not the heart of the law um, to be deceiving teachers into thinking that they don't have these rights. Is there a way to go back and clarify that without a new case? Um, I think it will require a new case, but I think that new case could be a winner. And here's why. When just think about think about a cop show, think about a TV show with the cops. Right. When they read you your Miranda rights. They don't ask first. Are you a lawyer? 
Well, if you're a lawyer, we presume you know your Miranda. So we're <laughs> not going to read them to you. What a right? great analogy. They don't ask, oh, do you have a college degree? Oh, do you watch a lot of Law and Order? Well, then you know your Miranda rights already, so we're going to skip that part. Right? No, like, in order to, to meaningfully exercise your constitutional rights, you have to know what they are. Mm-hmm. And the government has an obligation to tell you what they are before you can make that choice. Right? The same is true not just on and things like Miranda, but, you know, if you are signing a contract and, you're, and that contract is going to give up your right to file a lawsuit and say you, you know, have to go to arbitration, like they have to have in big, bold letters, you're giving up your right to file a lawsuit. Mm-hmm. Well, I think the same thing should be true for public employees, mm-hmm. that the, the public employer should be obligated before you get a union membership presentation to say, these are your Janus rights. Just like you get your Miranda yeah. rights before you make a decision, these are your Janus that, rights before you make a decision. That makes complete sense. Yep. Um, I just find it kind of interesting and surprising that that wasn't part of the original decision. But I guess it's hard to foresee everything, right? Yeah. Um, when you're, I think there are a little hints of it in the decision. There's a couple lines from Justice Alito where he sort of hints at it. Uh, but you're right. I think we need another decision, probably in another case, mm-hmm. to really clarify and lay down a rule for for the country. But even before that, legislatures can act. Yeah. Right? Legislatures don't have to wait for lawsuits. So several states, oh, that's interesting. That's uh, either mm-hmm. through their governor's office or through legislators, um, are are doing executive orders or are doing uh, legislation to ensure that state and local governments are telling people what their rights are. Uh, before they're given these, uh, you know, high-pressure, peer-pressure presentations on union membership. My goodness, if we have to put a warning label on a hairdryer that's half a page long, I mean, you you have to disclose. You have to disclose. You have to say, this coffee is hot. No, it's really, really, really hot. No, really, it's really hot. I mean, why would we not need to do that when in a situation where we know this is high pressure, we yeah. know that there's a, if you want to call it a, a disparity of power dynamic mm-hmm. there with a brand new employee versus either an employer or all the other employees. Yeah. Why would we not be required to give a disclaimer that, oh, yeah, by the way, actually, you don't have to do this. But by the way, here's the rest of the presentation. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that would be I mean, that would be something. Yeah. It sure would be. I agree with you. That makes sense. Say so one more thing that I wanted to make sure that we covered today um, before we close out the show, because we're already down to only two minutes left. It goes so fast. I blame Rebecca. <laughs> oh, that's all my fault, of course. <laughs> um, Nobody blames the lawyer for talking too much. There we go. No, 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 no. no, no. no. You're a, yeah, so you would never get blamed. No. <laughs> but seriously, we, we did talk briefly before the show about the fact that you said most school districts provide direct insurance to their employees. And that's a piece of this that I think also is important. And I don't think we covered that very well as we were just talking about this. There's pressure to sign, but it's almost like, well, this is just what you do. You know, here's the form. Here's what you sign. And um, yet, and I think a lot of people, I think a lot of young teachers and I know a lot of general public assume that the insurance comes through the union. And that if you quit the union, you would have to find private alternative insurance, which, by the way, there are organizations out there doing that. Um, But very, very quickly, because we're down to a minute now, um, talk to us about this whole idea of separate direct insurance. 
Yeah. So the first and most important type of insurance is obviously health insurance. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the reality is that in virtually every school district today, your health insurance is provided by the school district as the employer, not as the union, right? The union may negotiate for your benefits, but the union doesn't provide your benefits. Sometimes even the union will have an insurance company affiliated with the union, right? So I'm from Wisconsin, where we a trust is affiliated with the union shares, shares the same office building with the union yeah uh, but it's still just an insurance company yeah, yeah. right and so yeah. you have a choice it, it comes from your employer just like every other employer-based health insurance system and so really people can make this choice without mm-hmm. feeling compelled by their finances it's Excellent. up to them the first amendment protects their rights we Excellent. love that there are so many options out there please take a listen and go and find daniel sir with the national opportunity project daniel thanks so much for being on with us today have a good night thanks for having me it was great <laughs> three-star general michael j flynn head of the pentagon intelligence agency knew all the government's Secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here. Here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. Salemnow.com.